Jen, how is it yeah. possible that in a decade you haven't aged at all? Oh, thank oh. you. But I, but oh. I have a few pounds. Extra pounds. No, you know, it's crazy. You look exactly the same. I was like, oh my God. Thank you. No one has said that before. But thank you very much. <laughs> no one has like not seen you for 10 years and then it's just like, oh, there you go. Well, maybe it's for that reason. I appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you very much. You make my day. Yeah. It's true. Well, it is and so also, good. And also, I was on time. <laughs> you it's know what? Because we no. never do sound checks. I don't know what the hell is it. I, I'm you out know. there grilling and I'm like, oh shit, we were supposed to do a sound check. I was like, oh God. You know, you know what Jen said? Um, I told her you were putting away the chickens and she said, oh, he must have just known it was me and that and, and decided to show up late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 6.45 is a weird time. Yeah, it was. I was doing some shopping at the store, and then I have to be in a rush. But I'm here. Well, good job. There were <laughs> probably many times you were at Studio One waiting for me to get back from drinking a beer at lunch. So <laughs> that's, I'm sure that it that was, It wasn't. I was always late. <laughs> it was always me. Jen, it's good to yeah. see you. I'm so excited to see you guys too. I feel like when we were at the studio, just drinking a coffee without any sugar and milk. And <laughs> wait, can we? So I, I never, I never thanks to you guys for that. And well, uh, I've been doing that like for 13 years already. Yeah. Really? You and don't drink sugar and, and milk with your coffee? Of course not. Thanks to you guys. And that's, <laughs> that's not only it's not heart. only me. I contagious like uh contagie many people. Right now there's like 15 around me doing the same things to you guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the ripple effect. Yeah. It's a ripple right. effect. I, ha I have never heard about it. Well, uh, I want to introduce the show because there's plenty of beauty already going on. Uh, this is the Origins Podcast, and we are very excited to have a very special and always beautiful guest, uh, Jennifer Bonilla uh, from Esparza, Costa Rica. Joining us from Esparza, Costa Rica, where you've probably heard by this point the mention of a little school called America No Es Tu Dios, Americano E English Studios, Americano Es Studios, and Jennifer Bonilla was one of our very first uh, full-time students, and it has really probably been over a decade um, since the three of us have sat in this way and had a full-on conversation. Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful litmus test of life. So we, we're not sure what's going to happen, but we know it's going to be beautiful. 
and we're welcoming all of our listeners in to what it's like to reconnect and what it's like to remember, which is what we love so much, remember the origins of where all of this got started. And there's very few things that say origins for me than a conversation about black coffee with no milk and no sugar with Jennifer Bonilla. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, welcome. That is true. Like, I would never have brought that up, but that's hilarious. (laughs) It's what happens when, you know, like, Ron and I, like, talk about things and talk about Studio One kind of stuff, and the same stories keep on coming up. And then all of a sudden... (laughs) Jen comes on the on the scene and says, "Ah, oh, man, this makes me remember drinking black coffee for the first time with no milk and no sugar." And now that will always be like that that new story that enriches all of the other stories that thankfully we haven't forgot. And um and that is the process of dampering the amnesia. Mhm. Yeah. So how are you doing, Jen? Right now? Well, I'm pretty excited. I don't know if you guys have any idea that I will talk about coffee right now. But, well, I'm excited to that you guys invite me. I'm excited to see you again. And, well, we haven't spoke for a while. So I'm pretty looking forward to, to listen. And that you guys listen to me, too. Yeah, Jen, you know, when when 12 years ago, and I don't really want to frame things with ages and stuff like that. That's not necessary, but it okay. is because impressions are, are a bigger thing. Um, and my impression that you were a brilliant girl that was a girl when we met, very much a girl. And I feel that right now I'm in the presence of a woman and that is a lot of terrain that we have to cover. <laughs> back then, um, you know, because we were talking to a girl, um, so much was not said. We didn't get to hear. These things lived mostly in your head. You have a way of remembering what it was like to kind of come into the studio get started i mean a lot of it was your dad kind of i mean if i were to correct me if i'm wrong but your dad kind of really feeling despair about what can i do with this child you know and then saying to ron and i can you do anything for this human (laughs) i've tried everything you guys are my last resort but if our kind of memories of what that was like and it was beautiful But I have no idea, really no idea what you, what was going on in your life um, when you started at Studio One and what you were thinking. And I'd like you to frame that for people that don't know who you are, Um, you know, just so they have a little bit of a context of who Jen Bonilla was, I don't know, back in 2011, where, you know, these were people that may be unfamiliar with Esparza, Costa Rica. And so just paint the picture a little bit of, of how we all came to meet from your perspective. I would love to get started there. Yeah. Well, 
Well, yeah, I was I was a little girl. I'm not very much sure yet, but <laughs> actually, um, I've been going through a lot of things that all, of course, have changed me. I'm not the same person that you met 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. And well, I, I know you don't want to talk about aging numbers, but I have to say it was a lot a lot of time ago. And you guys also have been into way too different path. And well, um, there's so many stories to tell about the studio when we met. I remember I entered and this bold tall guy received me at the entrance day, I haven't any idea of who he was. And you say like, hey, Jen, you should come out. And then I enter and he received me. I was just a girl. So, you know, the impact that this giant guy is in the entrance and say, hey. <laughs> <laughs> but was one of the best decisions that I made um, to go with and be with you guys. Like, Every single day it was like four days a week. And I remember, well, like we say once ago, um, myths gives you a different perspective of life. And well, maybe I was raised by one myth, two, maybe. And then I met you guys, and well, a whole world was wide open. And I'm very excited for that reason. I remember talking about New World War Two in <laughs> the studio too with you guys, and well, there were so many conversations. I remember also the parade with the goat that we made, <laughs> doing yeah. those crazy things around Sparsa. Everyone was like staring at us, very strange every time we do something, but. It was amazing. It was amazing. There are a bunch of stories to tell now, and and there's three precious memories that I remember too. Yeah, absolutely. What, what you said it was your choice to join the studio one. I, I don't remember if it was your choice, my uh, secret dark deals in the background with your dad. Maybe we had friendly. How did all of that? How did you end up being? Yeah. How? Yeah. How did you end up at the studio? I don't remember. Well, I remember. I have met Car before from a studio in 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 the high school that you mm-hmm. have before. So I met him there, <laughs> yeah. and well, he was. You might. Can I say it? I met him doing like a boot grammar camp. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have no idea what did I say. I don't know how did I continue for so many years with him after that, but I decided to stay. Um, Ron, that 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 is what you saved me from, Ron. Um, grammar. <laughs> I was coming up with all of these ways for people to learn English. That's really important. I think as we move into this conversation, you've already kicked it off so beautifully. Um, But it's really important, especially for our English speaking audience, um, that so much of what we were doing in Studio One was learning the language of all things through the language of English. 
So that was very contrary to the idea of the of my grammar boot camp um, and everything <laughs> that I thought about education in a very small microscopic sort of lens before meeting the tall bald guy. Um, but because everybody was targeting English, like if you teach English, every single aspect of English really well, then people will learn English. And then, and then studio one was more like, let's teach everything except English in English and let English just happen. And, and you are in many ways, a, a beautiful fruit of all of that, but it would be good to kind of go back in time when you walked in because right now you're 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 on a podcast in English with like native speakers just you know in two different parts of the world so comfortably you know engaged was that who you were when you walked into studio 1 and saw the tall bald guy or what was going on english wise of course well yeah i remember those time those times and well Everything changed, of course. Everything changed. You asked me before if I made the decision by myself. Well, my dad actually was pushing me every time to do something because I haven't finished university at that time. So, you know, I have nothing else to do. So he was like, hey, you have to do something with your life. And well, I have to appreciate it. And then you find me again and we connected again. And then, well, that's the reason why why I enter again into your life, like, I don't know, a couple of years later. And, and everything was like connected. Jen, how did, what would you describe your capacity for English was when you entered the studio? I mean, did you feel comfortable with English? Was it a challenge to just communicate with especially me because my Spanish was so terrible. It's still pretty terrible, but, um, it, it is, but, <laughs> but, you know, it's because, you know, I was in Costa Rica, but teaching English. And so it's just like, yeah, you know, I'd, it's the sort of thing where, um, I'd go to the grocery store. I go to Pali, right. And all the, People at Pali wanted to practice their English with me because I was a green woman. It's just like Jesus Christ, like, like every every little every little town, whether it was the the ferreteria, that guy wanted to talk, talk English with me. Whether it was like you know getting like like the pan pizzas from the panaderia, like yeah, that guy wanted to speak. It's just like everyone is like that oh, shit. So uh, yeah, my, my Spanish was uh, handicapped by. The nature of my business so but how did you feel well at the moment that i that i start it was a whole challenge i mean i was i wasn't used to be speaking english for four hours with native people so mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, i remember those long conversations that we have where i learned to drink coffee and well they were they were uh, like very enrichment for sure i mean you guys have been through so many things and i was really excited to be uh, around you guys i mean you know i was just a girl uh with one truth and then we started 
open and talking about many topics that I have never heard before. And it was amazing. Even though I didn't understand many things that we were talking to, <laughs> I remember just listening and listening and trying to understand. But with the time, it was just fluency. I mean, uh, connected with all of you, all the boys, and it feels great. Even though I didn't have the perfect English yet, but always feel like um, fluent. I don't know, connected. So it was good. It was good. So can you break down into maybe five stages, 10 stages, the number doesn't matter, but the way that we language acquisition happened with you there, there's a sequence. Well, first this, then this, then this, you know, not the whole story, but certainly we were not stage one. Um, so I'm, I'm curious. What do you mean by stage one? Like you had an English background before you came to studio one. Um, and I think that a lot of people are, have the question of, well, how did you learn English? You know, like if you break that down into different stages, like what does that story look like? Well, I told you already, I have grammar bootcamp. That's, that's what I wanted to really make clear. That's the reason why I have exactly. some level of Okay. <laughs> so just fuck this whole like originative, holistic, regenerative nonsense. It's all about the boot was grammar. It, you know, she, of course she, it was she, that. She would have been lost, lost yeah. without grammar bootcamp. I, I, I was getting her ready <laughs> tall bald man <laughs> <laughs> no well of course well i i always like the language my dad always forced me to to learn more language to say ah, that's the future english is the future so you have to do it and well <laughs> i was forced to to listen english music and all of that then well he he paid for some Curses, some classes, mediocre classes that we have around here. And just to to have some little level, but I always was pushing forward because I really I really was uh so when when I met you, we were in Central Cultural. It was, was no good camp, it was yeah. part of the of, of Santa oh. Sofia English Center. And I met you first at the Centro Cultural. It was the first time that we were together. Like yeah, I was I was a level five by then. By then, geez, from ten levels, can we, they put me level on five, level five. Okay, yeah, level five. five. That's what they said. But I'm also really curious about those early stages because because I don't know how to talk about how you learned English when I tell people, you know. Um, but it was those courses. But you also had a an authentic interest that made you just natural with English learning, right? Like it wasn't just the classes, right? Of course, of course. I mean, I was around 16 or 17 when I was around mm-hmm. around them by, surrounded by people that have 20, 22, they were there for their jobs. I was there just because I wanted to know about the language. Mm-hmm. And I was I also went to college where... I was studying Ejecutivos para Centros de Servicio, which it was something called like call center, similar to. So I was getting prepared. <laughs> it sounds so official be... in Spanish. 
Say that again. <laughs> oh, they call it ejecutivos para centros de servicio. Jeez, man. Wow. Does, it does sound pretty. I'll pay. How much do I need to if pay? If you translate it, it will be like executive for centers to service. I don't know what does that mean. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't but work in English, but I would was trying 50,000 colones just to be sitting in one class of ejecutivos that central sociales. Oh I could give you for free, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So you never learned English like as a kid or in middle school, nothing. It was really something in your later teens. Yeah. My dad sent me, I was like 14. And it was in a school that it's right pretty close from here, one kilometer in the center of Esparza. Mm -hmm. They have those classes that will, they let, they teach you how to say, hey, how are you? Fine, thank you. And just like communicate for greetings. Mm -hmm. I don't know why people pay for that, but well, my, my father sent me there. And I was trying to find something that it was better so I start traveling to San Jose. Uh, every Saturday, I took a bus and went to San Jose with one of my cousins to study on Saturdays. I was 15 by then. Where were you? And well, I don't even remember because I will tell you the only two words that I remember from that class. <laughs> <laughs> I learned how to say chocolate. Uh -huh. And I learned how to say vegetables. And I don't know if I'm saying it right. <laughs> hey. So, and chocolate. That's the only thing that I remember for traveling there. Chocolate? Chocolate. Yeah. They, well, they taught me to say like chocolate, chocolate. It's not <laughs> even right, right? <laughs> it's, it, it's in the vicinity. So it's it's important because that trip from Esparza to the metropolitan city, like, <laughs> like it, an hour and a half bus ride, two hours. It was two hours, yeah, because I have to take two buses. Like a Forty-five minute class, one hour class, and then the whole ride back. That that was your day. Yeah, yeah it was a whole day traveling. Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting as I look back on that thing, like I find so much in the other things that were happening, right? Like parents signed their kids up for these courses. <laughs> and what happened was that you started moving from being a girl into a woman by just getting on a bus, going to this place. So really what came into that classroom of boot camp grammar school in Nancy Barza was somebody, you know, like this really helps me make sense of who you were at that time, right? Like it wasn't somebody like, this is not just like the normal Esparzano 16 year old. Like, uh, this is somebody, this is somebody that's been getting on a bus for about a year going to San Jose for a 45 minute English class. She's not here to mess around. <laughs> oh yeah. And that was around my 15. And when I decided to finish, cause it wasn't working very well. Well, I was always with adult people. I was never with people with around my age. Cause mm. normally they don't travel for one hour. Like you said, 
Saddam Hussein yeah. to make some curses. So when I was done with that, I came to Esparza and some of my friends told me about the classes that you were doing at Centro Cultural. Mm -hmm. So and, uh, we took a test and they yeah. sent me to the five level. Yeah. I don't know so what that means, but they sent me there. Right. Then we did that for a while and then you um, were in the studio. How long were you, how long were you in the studio? Oh, I never took the time of that, but I think it was more than a year, right? Uh -huh. Well, it might be oh, yeah. were you part of Studio Two? Like after I left for China, did you? Were you still a part of it when Mariel was there? I I can't remember. No, not not a lot before that. Yeah, it was before. Why were you done? What what like? If it was like I, I don't want to spend too much time on uh, right now on the on all of the details of the beauty of, of our time together. But like what happened? Like what? Because some people were were still in the studio after I left for China. And, and why were you not like I can't remember that. I don't remember either. Uh -huh. Just maybe I don't know. Things didn't flow well. Uh, Margulies was great, but I don't know. Somehow it was just like I disconnected for a while, and then I was I was doing my own classes. Remember too that I I started doing my classes at Santa Sofia too. Oh, so yeah, so you started teaching in Santa Sofia. Yeah, for a while. Such, such the full circle, right? Uh, uh, for anybody listening in, like. The boot camp started in Santa Sofia, right? And of course, happened, and then you went, and then you came back, and then you were a teacher. And I remember that 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 was beautiful to to come across. Yeah, I started like a, a different path. So I disconnected a while from from Americano, but um, I was doing my things around there. If you felt a little weird going into the conversations, um, you know, at Studio One when you were first starting out with us, when when did you begin to feel comfortable? Because you're clearly comfortable now, and, and and you weren't when you first walked in the door. Like, yeah, but I remember you being comfortable at Studio One, and you know, maybe uh -huh. it was after a certain point. But the way that I remember you is that we could have different conversations with you because your English had progressed to a point where there was no reason not to touch on any subject matter because we could just talk about very sophisticated things with you. And then we had to maybe adjust uh, the language that was happening when other people came into the studio and like when, when there was a shift change, <laughs> you know, <laughs> some kids would show up like two hours later or, you know, like, like there was always that happening you know the studio was very dynamic in that in that way because you never knew who was going to be there and at what time and it was always changing um but you could just roll with it right um so it it is interesting the question of like when did you start feeling comfortable at studio one well, I don't even know. I mean, at the <laughs> beginning, I was I was temerosa because, well, I didn't know what to expect. It was different. Everything around the studio was different. 
what I was used to and well people have um I don't know how to explain it like they were afraid about what the studio happened what happens in the studio people yeah people were like every every time talking about what the studio is going on and and they were afraid about that but I somehow I just feel like I belong there and I stay and it was like everything so fluido fluent yeah I don't remember when I start feeling right well so talk about the cheese made then um mm-hmm. what because there are there was a lot of talk about the studio but I didn't know you know I wasn't privy really to, no I mean you know like Carl would tell me some things but I think Carl kept a lot of things from me because he was like I don't know he yeah. doesn't know this yeah, you know? <laughs> so because i was i was actually a part of a lot of the cheese makers <laughs> as i shared candidly in other podcasts i was like man should i really devote devote myself to this nut case right and and so i kind of had one foot in the game one foot out you know i would hang with the local <laughs> person as we talk about <laughs> all men but then i would go with so, you and- so <laughs> do you let people think it was Ron's idea and you were just playing around with him? (laughs) (laughs) Let's not confuse our listeners. Uh, But Ron really wants to dig in. And I think that's great is, is because we frame the gossip. Yeah. Frame, frame the gossip. And this is what, what I want are. So we have some listeners that maybe English teachers, maybe they're thinking about being English teachers and, and we have a lot of folks that listen that that are not at all that are not maybe maybe some that are not even in education but what especially for i mean this podcast is really good for people uh, that are english teachers or whoever or who are involved in english language development in some way and it could be within you know a local school in denver or in maine or somewhere in the united states because there's there's always a lot of immigrants that are coming from different places in the world. And so the way that language develops is a, is a big topic and it's not a settled topic. There are a lot of different theories and there are progressive theories that are not utilized within schools. And, and at the studio, we basically had the freedom to do whatever we wanted to do. So what we did is, take all of the theory and we said, okay, what works and what doesn't work? And if it doesn't work, don't don't do it. And if it does work, then keep doing it. So for us, it was never a really settled topic. It wasn't a settled curriculum ever. In fact, it created uh, in us the skill set, I think, to be fluid with curriculum and which has really served us over the last decade. Um, But it was necessary to do that with the population of in Esparza, just because we were dealing with multiple ages, like any any age is welcome. And so sometimes, you know, a person from the university would be there and sometimes uh, some first graders would be there. <laughs> and so yeah. it, it what would be interesting to cover for our listeners is what was being said about the studio, like what was the talk 
locally and like when people are like okay well there's some fear about the studio well let's dig into that and then describe to our listeners what the experience was because it was as transformational for myself and I think for Carl as it was for all of the studio for the students right for all of the participants they all helped create whatever that was Mm -hmm. well you know you know how Ticos are and they're always rejecting like the new things and even in Sparsa people it's very traditional so when two gringos came here uh especially car with tattoos and everything you know people were looking at strange i mean how this guy can do lessons or how this guy can teach i mean really so people it's 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 very close mind around here so when you guys try something different it was like like a shock you know so do you think that i helped carl look better because i didn't have a lot of tattoos yeah. Mm, well, no, not exactly. I, no, 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 hold on. When they <laughs> saw you, no, no, they no, saw- no, 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 no. I'm not going to be respectful here. I exploited Ron. Okay. In every fucking sales pitch that I made, it was like, yeah, like I'm just this guy. But if you guys really tr- want to trust education, you know, like, because, uh, uh, because. <laughs> presenting no you're presenting you're presenting it very accurately to the point where like i vividly remember <laughs> feeling like everybody in this town feels like like i have no place in educating anybody <laughs> but and so as sure. soon as Ron came on the scene sure. i was every like, time that i talk oh about you God. people say loco gringo loco gringo <laughs> yeah. that's what they say and well <sighs> It was, you know, people, it's traditional around here. So it was kind of weird for them to just see a guy like Carl doing education, you know? But people get used to everything. When they start to knowing what it's about, they feel a little bit relaxed, a little bit confident. And well, it is not that you help. <laughs> you're not you <laughs> that's not the fact, but... that's great because in my head that's why i wanted to kind of insert that piece in my head i thought ron would help but jen just no. disqualified even even, <laughs> even i know that i didn't help <laughs> at all, at all. <laughs> okay go on but at least but at least you guys try and together <laughs> <laughs> together you do like a camouflage or something to connect and look like a normal person. Uh. So yeah. Well, <laughs> as far as I was trying to love you guys and well, you show with your actions. So well, even though the folks didn't like what they see, you know, they they're used to to have something in their minds and think about what is correct. And well, but the kids love it. And that's the point. I mean, the kids love it, teenagers love it. And even the people that wanted to see a different view, a different perspective of what they know, the same as me, you know, mm-hmm. the same, they, they were trying to, to connect with different things or to know different myths in life. 
that they haven't listened before. And in any fashions, it was working because, well, they feel maybe what, what it is, it was, they didn't have a space. Well, we didn't have a space to, to be different around here. And you guys make that, that space. Even all people didn't like, all people didn't understand it well because they didn't have the opportunity to participate and be around it. But the people that were trying to, or well, the people that have the opportunity to be there, it, it feels like home. You know, I remember the story nights that we had and they loved that. Even though they didn't understand about the story that you guys were telling, they just love to be there around you because they feel like they belong there you know can you so, describe those story nights like i kind of know what you're talking about but i don't know what you remember and how you talk about what what was a story night in studio one in esparza they were different <laughs> like everything around there but i remember people oh, oh everyone was waiting waiting for those nights i mean it was what i said before to be connected the, the place where where they feel like they belong so it was a warm space where we talk about different stories i remember a few still i remember a few of them and uh well i feel like no sé Sagrado, sacred. I don't know. So, was, so the, the nights in English? Yeah, they were in English. A few, a few times maybe we did it in how Spanish. Many people, how many people came? It was maybe 10, maybe 10, 15. So maybe once a month, 10 people would get together at night to tell yeah. stories in their second language. Yeah, in the dark with candles. <laughs> <laughs> Some people would sit. How long were these events? Like a couple hours? Maybe two hours, three hours. Yeah. And so some, <laughs> <laughs> some people would sit there and not understand a thing, right? Yeah, yeah. That was, the, that was the beautiful part. That's what I'm saying. Like. <laughs> They connected, I don't know how, because some of them didn't even understand a word that you were talking about, but they feel like they, they belong there, you know? Well, well, it's like church, you know, like some people go to church and they sit there for two hours and they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, it's great that you're talking about those story nights. Because when I when I talk about story at the studio, I I know what you're talking about. But what I remember the most was Saturday mornings in the front of the studio. Did did you ever participate in those? What what it was about? Well, it was it was story time, but it was in the morning. Okay, in the morning. And, and on Saturday mornings, I think it was Saturday mornings, but. For some reason, that's the like I I remember both, but but I over the years have not highlighted so much what you're highlighting, um, and and so that's the richness of bringing you back in and saying, 
Yeah, people would come out once a month and not understand anything for two hours. <laughs> In and the they were excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and, and so much of what we're what we're hoping um to be sharing is that when language acquisition happens, both with Jen coming through the door or someone just coming for a gathering, the focus cannot be on comprehension. The focus has to be on enrichment and immersion. And so being able to be in a place where just English is spoken for a long time to go through all of the feelings of I'm lost. Oh, I think I understood something like creating those spaces is crucial to the process of real language acquisition. Everything else is bogus. The idea of, hey, this is a glass of whiskey. It's actually my third one. Everybody say third one. That is bullshit. Okay. <laughs> Somebody, you know, you want, and and so what we tried to do is like, you know, we were reading at the time, um, Anti Moon. What a brilliant website that we we don't talk about enough. And this guy is just saying that like the best part of it all was like when he would put on a movie in English with no subtitles, you know, and just be lost completely. And we were like, yeah. well, how can we do that in yeah. a tangible way? It wasn't Let's Frankenstein. Well, we would do that too. Yeah. Like yeah. let's watch Franken. <laughs> we had movie night occasionally too. Yeah, yeah sure. With no subtitles and yeah. no one understand a shit, but they were sitting there. <laughs> I mean, I remember. <laughs> it was beautiful. Maybe you remember that I opened a coffee shop at, yeah, yeah, at yeah. Bogano and well, everything is closed now. But I didn't ever tell you about this. I was one day at the shop, just hanging it there. And one Canadian guy came in and said, hey, I'm looking for some Spanish teacher. <laughs> and I was like, hey, um, how many of you are? And he said, like, maybe five. But we have no idea about Spanish teacher here in Kobano. And I'm like, well, you have seen your teacher now. <laughs> he looked at me and I was like, but you have a coffee shop. Well, I can be your teacher too. I was like, hey, I've been teaching English before. Why can I not be a Spanish teacher? Right. So, yeah. And I was doing Spanish lessons for over a year for oh. people from Canada. Oh, wow. So, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know how that connects, but. Do you keep in touch with any of them? Uh, a few, yeah. Oh my a few God. of them. It was beautiful too. It so, was strange. So it was different. Because the three of us know something that our listeners don't. But um, not only did you go into Studio One and learn to drink coffee without milk and sugar while <laughs> in English in which you were lost. And somehow miraculously, because that's how languages are learned, somehow miraculously you learned English. Um, there was also in that space a coffee shop that was set up by our good friends, the Russians. 
right? Yeah. And oftentimes we would have movie nights and there would be this Russian coffee shop that <laughs> had English events that nobody understood, but they kind of enjoyed the whole thing. And all of that begins to percolate, pun intended. And, <laughs> and, and then you decide I'm starting my own coffee shop. And then in this moment of beauty, people come in and you're like, but I'm not going to teach them some other language. I'm going to teach them mine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's just, it's beautiful, beautiful cycles of life. Um, yeah. yeah. Beautiful and strange cycles of life. When you're trying to understand how things function, you're like, you make a mess on your head so that I have, I have stopped already. I'm not trying to understand. I just know that everything somehow, it's just a beautiful dance. And that's the way it is. Well, Jen, um, I, I need to tell you something. So I'm going to switch over here for a little bit. Because um, I've thought a lot about this. Uh, but I remember your dad coming into studio one um and your dad was a hard working man yeah very well known in esparza um and he he had a very successful business um and and i've talked i talked to a lot of people coming through our doors but but I remember vid vividly, even the place in Studio One over by the palm trees um, that I spoke to your dad before he left and kind of went off to work. And, and, and I didn't talk to him much um, after that. But for as much as I said earlier in this podcast of the girl that came through the door, um, as you begin to talk about your own coffee shop and the way in which you um, decided, I'm speaking, I'm speaking Spanish and I'm going to teach Spanish to these people. I can see your dad right now so proud of you. So proud of you. And I wish that I could talk to him right now and be like, because I'm also proud of you. And I wish that I had the ability to be able to just sell him. Viste? Confiate nosotros. Viste? Oye, todo salió bien. You know, and and I know that your dad would just like give his smile that I don't know as well as you do, but I know that he looks down on you and from above, not look down on you. <laughs> and uh, it just has to be so excited to see what has come of your life. And he was so concerned when I met him. Um, and I have no doubt in my mind how happy he is to see you 
now married, you've got kids, you're heading up his own business. Um, and I just can't imagine as a dad myself, anything like I've experienced a lot of satisfying things in my life. There can be nothing more satisfying than the idea one day that my kids turned out okay. I don't know what that feeling is right now. I am just scared shitless. <laughs> wow. Owen and Zoe are going to become something. And, and I kind of know, but I don't know. Uh, but your dad knows and he has nothing but pride to feel for the beautiful fun um, it's woman that you, that you've become um, and and I want you to know that thanks Carl it means a lot to me so Jen you started this coffee shop and I I remember that you also adopted two children. Is that correct? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how that all happened with you. Well, this happened a couple, I mean, seven years later. No, seven years ago. I'm sorry. Um, I got Johnny first. Johnny is now 14. He came to me when he was seven. And also Stella, that he was, she was three and now she's 11. So somehow I'm at, at, at Carl's point too, afraid, freaking out. You know, I'm about to have two teenagers. It's care about not knowing how to do things right and how everything is going to end. But it has been such a beautiful path. Everything that happens to me during this past seven years has been transforming, beautiful, challenging, amazing. And well, then I have now Dejan, who is two years. Oh, so and you, it's have three. Now... you have three children. Yeah, I do have three. <laughs> awesome. Las gané, I bet you guys. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. So I have two boys and a girl and well, the three of them are way too different. They have three totally different personalities. So it's a challenge. Everywhere I see it is a challenge because, well, we are five different people at the house. You know, that's a hurricane every time. <laughs> but it's a, it's a beautiful hurricane. Yeah. Yeah. And you know. When I message you and you don't message me, it's okay now. I'm like, <laughs> that woman is busy. <laughs> <laughs> gracias, gracias like, for, the, Ron, the, for the, understanding. The only way I got a hold of Jen is because, like, I messaged her husband. I was like, can you please tell your wife to like <laughs> a message back? <laughs> really. <laughs> I used to have two phones. It was mine and business phone, and I was driving crazy, man. I have to text messages in both phones, and I was like, "No, I'm done. I have one phone. I'm just with one." 
and I barely can answer, you know, like having three kids that demand you every single moment. It's beautiful, but it's exhausting. So I'm so sorry if I I didn't answer you the way you expect him to be, but I'm here. Um, Jen, so uh, adopting kids in in Costa Rica is... It's kind of strange to explain in English because it's literally there with me, but I haven't adopted yet. They don't have my last name. We're working on that still. It has been a whole long process. And well, hopefully we will finish with that this year. That's true for all of your children? Yeah, two of them. The number three... It was my biological baby. So it was different with him. Oh my God. Well, this, you so, didn't know about that. No, this is all news to me. Like, what the hell is going on? Like, <laughs> like I don't know any of this stuff. So, so you, oh. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I, I, I'll adjust little by little, but go ahead. Okay. You didn't know that I was. No, pregnant. I didn't know. No. no. Well, yeah. Okay. I will. will hey, make Jen. A, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Almost four years later, but thank you, Ron. I really appreciate it. <laughs> hey, nobody yeah. else is saying congratulations to you this week. Yeah. <laughs> true. That's what I need to listen. Exactly what I need to listen this week. Well, yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm interested in it because uh, Jill and I considered trying to do a an adoption process from Costa Rica, but it it was extremely difficult. Um, yeah. The more that we looked into it, I was fascinated to learn that you had adopted two children. So it sounds like you are technically fostering the kids. Uh, which is yeah. the English word for what happens before the adoption actually happens. Yeah. Right. It's different for me. And the point is every story, it's totally different. If you decided just to come in and do adoption with the bunny, which is the, yeah. uh, the one in charge of doing that, you came to them, you will be in a long waiting list until they find a guy a baby that it's right for you and your family because you know what happened it's awful to say it like that but every time people do like um uh they fill the request okay they fill a request and they write exactly how they want their babies if you want a baby with um one, two, three, four, five years old, 11, whatever. So, and they also ask for a baby. They want it to be dark skin or white skin, blue eyes. Wow. You can ask for that. That's awful. I know, but wow. you put all those requests and you say if you wanted to have, if you're open to have a baby with the disease or if you're not open to have a baby with C's and you want a perfectly healthy boy, baby, okay? So everything make it, this make it very difficult. 
Because uh-huh. you know how it's to find a perfect baby for each couple, for each person. It's extremely exhausting. So that's why it takes so much for people to actually adopt in Costa Rica. Wow. Yeah. So what happens to me, it was a completely different story. I didn't request for a baby. I didn't went to the bunny and ask for a baby to wait with me. Remember, this is a different story. And actually, the mother made that gift for me. She gave me their babies. Yeah. Really? Really. It was totally, totally, totally different from each story around here. So the mother... Uh, didn't feel capable of taking care and she chose me well not exactly but she led me to to be in charge of her babies and we just make a sign like a sign with a lawyer uh-huh. and I have a permission to take care of them for a while and after that, well, we decided to start a whole request, a legally request to actually adopt them the right way, correctly. Uh-huh. And we've been into that for a few years now. Because, well, it was easier with the time. We've been, if you do that the first year, you know, we didn't, we weren't, um, family I wasn't an uncle I wasn't a friend I wasn't anything I wasn't connected with them so you know to go to a company and say well I wanted to legally adopt them why 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 on earth you wanted to take two babies that are not yours so it was difficult to do that by that time so we have to wait for a couple of years to make like a strong um relationship with the kids, like make some bonds and start the process. That way it will make it so much easier for us. And after that, we have to go through programs where uh, they make some tests and make us like, they know, they, they find out that if we are good for them or not, you know? Sure. So we have to go through psychologists and social um, workers and lawyers and all of that. So it has been a very long way. But the good thing is it was have the kids already with us. We don't have to wait until someone find a baby for us, you know? Sure. Did I you understand? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So this year at Everything should be fixed, do you think? Yeah. This next year, everything should be fixed. Seven years, right? I actually wish that it was finished before because right now my older boy is going to high school. So I was expecting him to be with a different last name because he actually, it's like, he really wants to have my last name and has been all of a struggle with him dealing with his last name, old last name. Uh-huh. So I wanted to him have the opportunity to enter into high school and have like a, a different 
um, I don't know, yeah. different way to connect to right. start over, but it didn't happen. So we have to wait. Everything works the way it has to work. Did you take on Damon's last name? No, we don't. We don't do that in Costa Rica. So, what would your kid's last name be when when it's finally when it's finalized? Will, yeah, they will have Damon's last name and then mine. What's Damon's last name? Ah, Villalobos. So Villalobos Bonilla. Bonilla, exactly. Uh -huh. well, that sounds nice. <laughs> Not very nice, but that's what it is. <laughs> no, I think it sounds nice. Villalobos? Really? Well, that's between you and him, but I'm saying right here <laughs> on the microphone, Damon, me gusta, papi. Yeah. <laughs> I will uh, let him know. Hey, Jen. Yeah. Uh, the other day, I asked you a question, and I don't think you really fully answered, but you said something about a thousand pearls under the moss. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know more about that. What do you want to know? First of all, I immediately was like, what? Somebody's remembering the story of Queen Bee after all these years. That's about it. But I think it would be fair to our listeners to share a little bit. Like, when did you hear the story of Queen Bee for the first time? And, like, why is it coming up again 12 years later? Oh, that's full of an issue. Well, the first time that I listened to Queen B, it was at the studio. Uh -huh. You guys repeated it over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow, <laughs> somehow, well, you have many stories, but Queen B have to stay with me for long way you know every time that i see someone hurrying an insect you know what i think <laughs> <laughs> really when they were playing with ants or something trying to hurt uh, an insect you know what i think you know what came to my mind what? thanks to you guys <laughs> do you uh -huh. want me to to tell you yeah yeah let the pretty yes. insects enjoy themselves <laughs> 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know somehow he just stayed with me it's one of my favorite stories it's the one that I really remember well actually I, I googled a couple of times I tried to tell my kids too because I, I really enjoyed that story and I like mysticism so I don't know if that's correct mysticismo so I like to hide things under everything. Mm. And I, I guess uh -huh. that's why the queen bee is basically like my norm, my way to live. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, how beautiful. It's important to frame the fact that when, when we started telling stories, 
it wasn't common <laughs> and and there wasn't certainty in it. there was a, a bit of a faith of sort uh not only linguistically but also that that what we were teaching could be more than just language and to hear you speaking english so beautifully and yet to say that what was learned back then was more than english was also an identification of sorts with our animal nature our insect nature uh and and also our mysterious nature in which like uh the queen bee as told by the brothers grimms would say there are a thousand pearls they can set you free if you're able to gather them all but they are buried underneath the moss it's very rewarding to hear you say that that was not just a moment of feeling lost in the story but it was a moment of english acquisition but also something to be discovered years later that huh like we we need as people like stories that we can identify with mm-hmm. and and when we're only hearing one kind of story or this or that like i feel the same way as as an instructor um when we decide to bring stories into the educational environment um which seems uh, like an obvious move at this point but back then it was very risky like what i was just doing grammar boot camp <laughs> why the fuck would i tell queen b nobody's gonna understand that <laughs> it's somewhat rewarding to now realize that it, it, it did have some payoff um but, I, but, I, but what has happened is that along the way where i haven't been able to hear all of the stories from students such as yourself um i i have noticed the reward in in learning that a, a certain story and passing it along i'm like wow i i have found something in those classes because as teachers were often like i don't know like coerced or for some reason we end up teaching and talking about things that don't matter but we need to do a lesson and so we just go in and teach something that doesn't matter not something that lives and will exist you know 10 years later and 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 certainly queen bee um can be said to be something that was worthwhile to have done in a classroom and we know your story i know my story with the story i know um what you're talking about when you're like my kids even know this story i know my kids even know that story um and maybe there's more stories that we haven't heard just yet but and there's certainly something beautiful in being able to realize that it wasn't just a grammar boot camp lesson uh telling these telling these things so 
that was really cool really special very surprising um uh in a good way just be like wow like like because when you shared that like in a platform a social media platform like facebook like you knew not a lot of people would understand um <laughs> i i guess i i forget what the post was but i saw it and i was like i don't think anybody except me probably understands this like um <laughs> a certain and, and you didn't even know like it's not like i follow all of your posts but that one for some reason was there is just so special i even wrote it in spanish for you not yes, to know what it was about did write it in spanish which was the other thing i was just like wow like like i so didn't expect you to recognize it that because i grew it in spanish just somehow that i went for a travel i was just feeling very stressed that day and i was like well i'm gonna drive and i'm just need to disconnect for a while and somehow it was very wet around here so you can feel like foggy mm. and i just came out of the car and took some pictures but when i saw the pictures that's the way I feel. I mean, I just feel like that little writing quote that I wrote. And I was like, well, I have to say in Spanish that way, card that don't recognize that I'm writing about Queen B. <laughs> 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 yeah. And it was the first accent to react. It was like, hey! <laughs> that, was a, that was an epic fail. Yeah, uh, but it was a good fail. It doesn't matter. I mean, I was like, great. no one is gonna know about this. No one, no one. They're gonna know. They're gonna know. Hey, well, you know. And yeah, yeah. But <laughs> this is amazing because when when we consider language acquisition, higher forms of language acquisition are the ability to use allusions and to reference things that you know in in a certain language and um and in a certain way and then be able to take that metaphor and apply it to different things so it's actually a very very high order of comprehension and synthesis and that you translated it back into your own language and used it in this way that, so that you could conceal it from carl is even better <laughs> <laughs> though it didn't work it's still great <laughs> <laughs> so, so all of that is, uh, you know, for our English language development listeners, it's like, that should be what we're all as language instructors trying to shoot for that. That's the highest form of language acquisition is, is the ability to synthesize. So here's this moment of synthesis that, you know, that's based on a story that you heard a decade ago and 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 it's it, it's encouraging and um, refreshing to us to be able to hear and see and and understand that that synthesis is still happening and that it's passed down to your to your children, whether it be in English or Spanish, it doesn't even matter because it's about it's about the ideas behind it, right? It's about how yes. it transforms lives, and that it all came out of this this one place is one way for us to feel like, you know, what we were doing was valuable in some way. Sure. Sure. And, and that's the fact. I mean, that's where I look behind. And I know it wasn't about the English 
fact. It wasn't about the English lessons. It wasn't about you were my English teachers. It was about all the experience that we going went through at that moment. And having, I didn't even was aware that I was so familiar with the Queen Bee on my life, you know? And it's a story, like you said, I heard a decade before. And it was at that time on my life. And I didn't know about how it was affecting me in a good way during these years. So it was about that. It wasn't about the language even. I mean, all the stories that I have now, all the experiences that I've been through and having the opportunity to be with you guys right now, it's it's everything is what we hear. You know, what? what's so, so interesting about a story like uh, Queen Bee is that, unfortunately, our minds, unfamiliar with storytelling, force us to feel the main character as if that's who represents us or that's what we identify with. But in the story of Queen Bee, everything that starts with Simpleton moves towards this other being that you are. You you are the Queen Bee. And if everything that happened to allow you to manifest and become this Queen Bee, wow, like we're not even, like it's not even possible to be conscious of all of the things that that take place before we we identify certain trends and if people are like how did you ever get to this point of being the queen bee how did you do that and we're like okay let me tell you the story well (laughs) right but but it's it, it falls so short of the real story and somehow there's pieces that you can't even remember that tell of and that helped you become the queen bee that you are like, Oh, of course I would love that story too. You know? Sure. Yeah. Well, that's the whole issue right now. I don't know if I'm the queen bee right now. I'm, I'm in the process of, how do you say when someone, when the, you touch the rope, the la momia, la roca, and it wakes uh-huh. when you just, that thing that happened at the end of the story when when the guy find all the pearls when everything was perfect and he make all the assignments at the end of the story and everyone was back to life again uh-huh. well i'm at that point i'm now trying to make all those assignments and trying to trying to wake all of the mom the marbles Mm-hmm. Wow! So, I don't know if I don't okay. I don't know if I explain well, but no, yeah, you explained that. I'm just like right now you're you're speaking so beautifully towards what we would say would be like a feeding of the story and identifying of yourself within the story that it's just like wow, like it it's just fascinating. Yeah, it's an ultra synthesis. It's a multi level, multi layered synthesis of the story. And yeah. 
And it's what we try to, I think, model because we'll, we have storytelling at our house around the fire and, and it's, for me, I don't know how it is for Carl, but it's like, for me, it's always just like, ah, I'm always wanting that sort of synthesis to occur. <laughs> like if I invite a bunch of people over to my house and we have a storytelling night. Yeah. That's the idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, like... but, look, but look how long it took me to be there. <laughs> <laughs> you Ron, have to be patient. Ron when is you're not a young man anymore. I don't have time <laughs> for patience. So when he's gonna come to you and say, "Hey, Ron, <laughs> do you remember that time?" <laughs> so okay, so this is what's comforting to me is that all of this is happening and I don't know about it, right? Like that's that's fantastic, right? Um, because myself and Carl, we don't often have an opportunity like this to actually right. hear what you're saying. So I have no idea how many, how many people maybe this effect. And that's, no, no idea. that's the beautiful part of everything. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many, do you remember how many times we went just to plant on trees and just leave it there and you have no idea what is going on with them? That's a good point. Okay, they write there, and some of them might be living, some of them might not. Some of them have doing some fruits, some of them have been cutting and turning <laughs> into a bench. I don't know, but you know what you have done before, you know what you took your time to do. How many? See, I don't know. I, I don't see, know. I mean, that's, that's what I was telling you, I think, a couple of weeks ago, Ron is that the parable of the farmer that sows seeds. See, yeah. I, I used to think about this growing up as in, I need to learn as a farmer to, to not waste my seed. This is, no, actually this happened when I was talking to you about uh, trying to grow go corn correctly. And you were like, uh, no, no, no. When you did that big calabash, what was it? What was that one? And I yeah, was like, the, yeah, the Zuka gourd. The Zuka gourd. And I was so impressed by it. And I was like, what's the magic? And you're like, well, I was hoarding, hoarding, trying to be careful with the seed. And you were like, once I started to just seed, uh, like, spread the seed and and just see what happens and kind of got rid of it all and and let go of my expectations it started to bear fruit you know and and, and that whole thing brought back the parable of the farmer but in a whole other context that that story had always meant to me that i should not waste my seed by planting mm -hmm. it on the road so that the it grows and is scorched by the sun. I should be careful. Right. You know, it's like this threat of like, if you have this seed, be it a physical organic seed of corn that goes in the soil, make it grow, or be it a, a lesson in language or education or so on and so forth, make sure that you're planting and putting all of your efforts mm -hmm. into fertile soil. And that 
is no longer the story for me. And what Jen is saying. Since when? Since when? This is like two, three podcasts ago. I don't know, like two months ago. What it means to me and what you're saying and what I'm feeling as I get older and my beard little by little becomes as gray as Ron is like, just plant those motherfuckers. Like, sow (laughs) that seed. Just spread that seed because you don't know where it will grow. And when I saw that post of yours, and 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 there's been other times, Jen. It wasn't just that. Like, like yeah, when, yeah. When we were back in Costa Rica, I was just like very blessed by who you've become, and 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 it was thankfully time well invested. But I can't say that that was anything to do with me, except just my love for throwing seeds everywhere and thankfully yours was very uh good soil and and i think that that's the the story is like not don't try to find good soil just that's that's a point i mean it doesn't sorry it doesn't have to be good soil and that's the issue I mean, you can even, have you ever ate like an avocado and it's not perfectly? I mean, it's like, oh. so <laughs> it, it's not, the, it's not perfect outside. Uh-huh. You know, it doesn't have to be on perfect soil, beautiful soil, or, or it just have to be there. And when it have to boom, it will boom it and is it doesn't, it's just not meant to be that way. And what you guys have been doing for over the years, I'm pretty sure, even if you don't get to know those stories, I mean, you don't have to listen it to know what you've been through all this time, as long as you've been uh, loving what you're doing, you know, that's, the point and somehow well right now hopefully you're looking at me and say well yeah we made it we did a great job doing the seeds on the good soil but maybe because you haven't known the other part of my story (laughs) 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 otherwise you will be like oh my gosh (laughs) on that note everybody thank you so much for listening We'll be back next time with <laughs> how a seed is spoiled. <laughs> but the point is, well, you just try to plant, okay? It doesn't mean that it's going to be right or wrong. I remember about time that we made, we, we cultivate uh, corn. Do you remember that time? That we cultivate corn. We have no idea what we were doing. And oh yeah. And you brought your stone and and then we made churrias. We made cusposas. Is that and that's why I wanted to tell okay. you the story. Well, wait, I, slow down and, and frame the picture for somebody that has no idea. We're talking yeah, about us. Yeah, you have to realize most of the people have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> sorry, like, I'm we're, sorry. We're, I totally forget about corn. Like, like, freight. Tell. Do you remember that time, Ron? 
when we grow corn? What I remember about the corn is that um, and this is the story that I always tell about the corn. And so this is okay. what it, this is what it's. <laughs> I'm this sorry is if I will disturb it. No, 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 no. I, it's going to be great. Whatever you say okay. is going to be great because it, it'll add a new dimension to my very monodimensional story. What I remember about the corn, I don't know if you were with us when we had a conversation and I was telling students about like blue corn and red corn. Sure. Right. And, and all the students were just like, what? Like that doesn't exist. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, 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 it does. It does. Let's go to Centro Agricola and we'll get, we're going to go buy some blue corn seeds and some red corn seeds and, and we're going to go buy some seeds from them. And so we all, the whole studio went down to Centro Agricola. We walked down there and I said, all right, I need some blue corn seeds. And the guy looks at me and he's like, okay. And so he brings me the seeds. And and he gives them to me. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And they were white corn seeds, but they had a blue powder on the outside. And the blue powder was all of the herbicides and pesticides that they put on the corn. Of course. Right? And I'm like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, like, this is not blue corn. No, all the kids are just like, what? <laughs> like, so none of the kids believed me. You're the gringo guy. You were asking for blue corn. There. Right. <laughs> and they and they, they gave me blue corn. Sure. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, Jesus. And so then we had to actually bring from the United States, we had to bring yeah. corn that was different colors. And so we planted that corn yeah. to prove to the local kids <laughs> that other colors of corn actually existed because they had never seen anything that wasn't white or sometimes yellow corn. But do you remember how it turns that color? I remember that we told the story of the twin heroes and that at the point of the story that when the two twins, the second set of twins goes to find their, their father, that he is the, that he is the corn right and that and that the corn is different colors because of the uh, macaw uh, right and because the macaw is red and blue and yellow and, and white yeah. right and then the kids started pulling the corn the corn husks off and they saw that the corn was different colors and they thought it was magic because of the story <laughs> that that's what i remember of the corn um wow. What we did from the corn, like that satisfied all of my ex- expectations of the corn. So I was of just like, Woo-hoo. I was just like, I win, I win. I, I bet win. you were sweating. Like, I hope, oh, no, I hope it was, has colors on it. Right, right. It was like, I got a lot to prove on, on this corn. Well, oh, well, I don't know if you guys remember, but that happened around Shell's story. Chell was, did you remember Chell? Yeah. Ron, I know Carl remembers, okay? He guided us how to do the corn cultivation and everything. He was with us at that moment, okay? Well, he teaches how to do it, and he was with us at that moment. But then he died. Really? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Okay, go on. I don't know any of this. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna add, tell a long story about it, but he died, and we didn't know when it was the perfect time to the corn to be done. Okay, that's true so, because I didn't know when the perfect time <laughs> for it to of be done. Of course not. The guy that teaches how to do it, he wasn't there anymore. So we have no idea when to to cut. The corn, right, right? Right, right. I I need to frame this a little bit. So yeah, che, okay, okay, okay. Cheo was. Uh, did you ever marry Cheo? Or is he no, your... no, no. He was my boyfriend. Okay, so so Jen's boyfriend at the time, great guy. Uh because he loved an absolute nut like Jen. Comes into the studio and helps us plant corn, right? So in this tragic uh, motorcycle accident, Cheo dies, but the corn is still growing. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And so none of us know how to harvest the corn. <laughs> That's what Jen's talking about here. We're, of course like, not. Aside the fact that we were like, how do we mourn? How do we grieve? We're all kids, you know, like, like. It was beautiful to color things, but what about now? <laughs> there was also this like, what do we, how do we know if the corn's ready? <laughs> and, 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 and so in this very like Jen can tell the story, but in in a very healing way, the making of como le dijiste? Cosposas. Cosposas. Cosposas was harvested corn. In a, in a way that we did not know how to do from the corn from Cheyo that had helped us put it in the ground but was not around to harvest it, and we had to figure that out on our own. Wow. Well, that happened, and we were expecting to have chorriadas. <laughs> we were all excited to have chorriadas, and we were like, well, we think it's time. They're big now, so we have to cut it, right? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> Which is like also like very fascinating to me. Like now I can't even remember the detail, but it was very different. That conversation at that time, like growing corn in Costa Rica is not like, like you're not aware of when it's spring, when is it fall? When is the first frost going to happen? Like, yeah. so like, you're just like, oh, I guess it's ready. Right. Like <laughs> conversation was so different. Right. And so that's what Jen's talking about. Right. Sure. Well, we didn't know. So we thought, we thought about that moment that it was time and we caught it. We were waiting, all gathering, waiting for some churriadas. Everyone was so excited. It was like a whole meeting just to have churriadas. <laughs> <From our laughs> but when we caught it, they were 
too duros. They were too mature. Yeah. 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 It was over. It was yes. overripe. Supposed to be soft. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So when we started making them, it was Samantha's mom who told me because I didn't know about this before. I, I never Maricela. made sure. Maricela. Yeah. Yeah. Maricela. Uh, I was like, in. hey, like, John. No, no, no. This is not Torriadas. What are you talking about? This is Cosposas. And that's oh the first. Oh, my God. That's the first time that I, I heard that name. I mean, I never heard that before because I always get people around me that knows when the corn is ready so they know how to cut it. And we got to realize never cosposas. <laughs> wow. Cosposas. I, well, I yeah. So it's when the corn is too mature. Uh-huh. So it's not soft enough, enough to, to do chorreadas. But it's right. it's still it's very good it's uh-huh. like a little bit tough yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and we have cosposas but by that day it was amazing too even though we didn't have chorreadas we put <laughs> some sour cream on it and we were testing we were yeah. having a party oh now, my God. okay just to to be clear yeah my kids will tell you that netija is not sour cream yeah. Yeah. My kids will eat netija, but they will not eat sour cream. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> netija is más líquido. Like casera? It's like homemade? No, 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 no. It's más... It's más como líquido. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's sour cream is... Mas cream. Como, thick, thick. Yeah, and and so my kids will not eat sour cream. Really? But they love netija. Oh, me too. You know what? I've been th- trying to like get my suegro to find because because he makes ice cream and a lot of it is made with like um c- certain flavorings, saborizantes, right? So I'm like, what a great idea to get. Natilla saborizante, mm. so that I can take that and and mix that powder into my sour cream, and then water it down a little bit, and then I would have my natilla. Yeah, your natilla. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I'm I'm telling you, Harris is like a Nazi when it comes to sour cream. He will not eat sour cream. He only eats natilla. And because of that, he in the in the United States, he doesn't get it. He's <laughs> totally okay with natilla, but he doesn't like sour cream. And it's mostly, yeah, yeah, it's because of the consistency in part. But it's because in at the States they add too much of of something to make it bigger, or it is because it tastes different. Well, it's because it's thick and it's because it's called sour cream. I mean, <laughs> I mean, consider if that was if if you translated that and you called yeah. the product. Do you want natilla or do you want some crema amarga? Yeah. 
Yeah. No, nobody wants no, crema. Nobody wants crema, Monica. Of course not. <laughs> right, because it's gross. It sounds I mean, gross. Paris right so, now. Yeah, I get it. Par- <laughs> Paris is like, that sounds gross. I will not eat it. But he will eat something called natilla because he doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't have, he doesn't associate anything bad with that. And he ate natilla. He loved natilla when he was in Costa Rica. Oh, yeah, of course. He loves okay. it. Okay. Okay. That's amazing. <laughs> That's the way it is. Sour community, yeah. Well, Jen, I love the way that you told and um, colored that story of uh, just our folly, which would be like our mistakes in terms of how our mistakes and our just playing together. That's what we were doing in studio and just playing together where we always say like, mentors are learners and learners are mentors we we were learning mm-hmm. together in a playful environment with an intention and a hope of lifetime memories and at times we nailed it <laughs> do you do you seem at that moment like that do you do you think it was lifetime memories um I mean, an, a moment like that, I, I I remember that you brought in that big rock that was made to, and I remember getting it out of my first Jeep that like I drove by your house and we put it in the back and you were like, be very careful you- if we ever break this thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I was so nervous. <laughs> but, but I also remember what my memory of that whole day was that like I had really stopped being the mentor and you and Maricela and, and Cheyo's memory and all of the local wisdom was in control. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. This is my lesson or what the hell here we are. And we're making these things that we didn't even know what we were making called chuspuscas. What are they called? Cosposas. Cosposas. You know, um, I but I do remember the feeling of of letting go and saying, I'm not in control of this thing anymore. Yes, I knew this was powerful, um, but I, I, I would not have even imagined to have thought, will somebody remember this? Like, I wasn't at that level to be able to think will this be remembered 10 years later? I knew in that moment that it was good. I knew I was no longer in control, that something greater than the instructor uh, was making things happen. And that the, the, the class <laughs> had really like just, you know, derailed from the the teacher that controls everything into let's make beauty together. And, and I felt very proud in that you had an, an authentic enthusiasm that was really demanding more of the experience. And that's where that, that table kind of really began to turn in ways that I couldn't articulate then, but I could feel like, okay, 
all mentors are learners, all learners are mentors, and it's happening right now. And you're going to hear teach me and, and everyone else. I, I won't say room because we didn't even have classrooms in this space, you know, from, from the, see, this is the, like, I mean, it's, it has to be articulated, like from the corn that your deceased love had planted and, and, and had, you know, grown and, and we didn't know when to harvest. We were now making into food and we were digesting. I was just like, wow, <laughs> like, like education can be more than just a fucking boot camp. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm convinced all of this happened in 2012 when I wasn't there because I don't remember any of it. <laughs> so if I don't remember any of it, it means I wasn't there. And so all of this happened. I can guarantee that this was 2012 when this happened. And, and 2012. No, you were there. You were there. And, and that's what no, I want to go back to. No, no. Ron was not there. But the quarantine? He no. might have been there for a moment at some point, but definitely not that day that we made those things. Well, you were in a few other stories too, so. Well, what I find amazing is that for as much, and, and again, like I said earlier in the show, like for as much as like Ron and I will remember certain things, this one has not come up be, in this way because it was more of your memory and my memory and those who are there. Sure. So why would I be kind of like, and, and it was so overwhelming at the time. I mean, there was so much going on that maybe a little bit got to Ron, but then it went on to the next thing and on to the next thing. And, and then it just didn't become one of those stories that we always go back and tell the way that we're telling right now. Did you feel overwhelmed by, by that moment? Uh, yeah, so overwhelmed in the sense that I, I didn't have control and, and I needed to let go of that control, but okay. also okay with letting go um, because it was clear that others had control. You well, had not, not in that story. I mean, in the whole concept about Americana Studios, do you ever felt overwhelmed or do you ever felt like things weren't like supposed to be or yes it was mm. that's how we chose we chose to create a space in which we didn't have control i mean i think that the the most beautiful things happen when we are in disposition to pl play and interact with the divine if we control everything, like in a boot camp, there is not an opportunity for the duende or for the spirit or for something uncontrollable to appear. Right. And, and so the studio was born with the intention of it being a place in which that which we can't control to manifest. 
And so in a sense, that's a control, right? Like we had always hoped that things like that would happen, but when they happened, it was always exciting because we never knew when they would happen. And the story that you're talking about and that we're sharing here it is not the only one. It can be paralleled by other moments, I, and like all kinds of other moments. But uh, another one that for me was just really powerful was when we, you know, Ron was mentioning the story of twin heroes, like, like when we would tell the story and, and we would be like cleaning out hikadas and we realized that the inside of the hikada smelt like the death brains of you know the lord of you know like the twin hero that had descended into the underworld and was hanging in his brain and guts were you know like the pus river that you're supposed to like go through um as you try to make it to the land of the lords of death and you know, and I remember being in that place and the smell of the hikara that you have to clean out. Like, it's impossible to not see like Hazel, like on that little thing with some boyfriend that she probably had at the time and like throwing seeds <laughs> and then these frogs eating them and be like, Ugh. but then realizing we would clean them out correctly. And then we would begin carving them. And then when we would walk for the faroles and all these other fucking phonies and Esparza had these neon little light things that they bought for Bill Colones. And then the three or four <laughs> Americano Studios people that actually had a jicara that came from one of the trees in Esparza and we had cleaned out by listening to the story of twin heroes and then had carved the women that taught us how to carve jicaras in, in, in Chira. Uh, cheetah you know and then we were walking down with the faroles like made from hikara taught by the cheetah people and cleaned out while listening to the twin hero story like those were moments i was like oh my gosh there's just so much meaning to all of this so i don't even know what you asked but well but but (laughs) i'll dovetail on that because when we went back in 2013 and you know, both of my children, I think at that point were going to Santa Sofia or no, no, Sancte Spiritu. And so they would still come to the studio in the afternoon. And when they came and we were carving jicaras again, the smell of the jicaras, they instantly knew. They instantly knew that smell and they associated it with all of that. It was the whole picture. Where? Where? Where was that? So when we came back in 2013, both Van and Paris were attending school at Sancti Spiritu. But Uh in the afternoons when school was finished, then they would come to the studio. But when they would arrive at the studio, then we were already engaged in the activity so we were already cleaning out the hikaras and so when they walked through the door they immediately knew the smell of the hikaras 
And I can remember Paris telling me that it's like he he remembered the smell of that. It's not that he remembered it as some like terrible, disgusting thing. He remembered it with nostalgia, with like yeah. love of what it was. And and then when we took the seeds of the hikara and then we toasted them to create traditional orchata, because tra- traditional orchata it has the semillas de, de hikara that are toasted. And that's what creates the the like really traditional taste of orchata, like that vanilla, that really? vanilla, that that taste that's like kind of kind of vanilla. And then the the orchata that you buy at Pali is a synthetic; it's not yeah. real. Mm-hmm. And so that whole thing was amazing to to see how one smell can ignite all of these different memories. In one moment, and the nostalgia, and the meaning, and all of all of that th- that that Carl was just talking about. There's just one simple smell of of hikara of the inside will bring that back for me. It'll bring that back for my children it, 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 every every single time. And it's something that is not possible to recreate in any other way. I'll add more. This weekend, I went up. Uh, about an hour north of here to meet a Chilean uh, living in this area. And one of the things that we did was walk around his property and he had bees. Bees? Yeah. Okay. And and they were winterized. (laughs) I mean, they were sleeping. Um, And in... (laughs) My fondest memories of bees were the bees that we had at Studio One. And especially the day that they got out of control, (laughs) (laughs) the firemen had to come and and we were trying to calm down the bees. And I was... (laughs) Like panicking, like getting all of the kids into the green room. <laughs> 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 the coming. Jen, were you there that day that we opened? Up no, no, oh but I God. was. I was about to tell you that I really remember and loving the way you look on that suit. I don't know how to say that traje, all white, and I remember. Uh-huh. With love seeing you back there with the bees and but I don't remember that day because I wasn't there. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Fortunately for me. <laughs> the bomberos had to quarantine like <laughs> five or right. six blocks of that area of Esparza because I might remember the story, yeah. The, but I, I wasn't there. Because the bees were were killer bees. Right, sure. Like, like they were. They were assassinas. They, yeah, they were. They were Africanized bees that we caught, and so when we when we, we we were going to get the honey out, and so we opened the top, but the bees went crazy, and they were going. <laughs> they were everywhere, and Carl got all the kids inside, and and Jill's just like, <laughs> and Jill kept telling me, she's Do like, you have you sued your suit by that oh, moment. Oh yeah. Rods in full suit, and I'm like, give him. <laughs> and, 
and Jill's with me and, and Jill's like, I think we should stop. <laughs> I think we should stop. And I'm like, no, it'll be okay. And I kept cracking the top of the, of the beehive. <laughs> and I'm like, you should keep adding smoke, more smoke. And she's just like, it's not working. It's not working. And then, so I'm working off the top of the beehive. And, and then I hear the vecinos down below, below the studio. And the vecinos are like, La cabra, que, que pobrecito. And I was just like, what's wrong with Bacchus? Bacchus, oh my God. And so I look over, over the, I climb the fence and I look over the top and Bacchus is tied. You know, he has the rope and he's tied to yeah. that post and he's running back and forth like this way, that way. And he's, you know, Bacchus was white, but he wasn't white oh, that was, day. He was black, black with bees. <laughs> And he had all these bees on him and he kept running back and forth to try to get the, get away from the bees. And I was like, oh shit, <laughs> like Bacchus is being attacked by all these bees. And so I had to hop the fence and I had to untie Bacchus and I had to walk him through the neighborhood. Fence right. Dressed in the beehive. In the beehive, in the bee suit. <laughs> and I'm walking. And so I had to take Bacchus. About that moment. What's that? Do you have your hat? Yeah, I had uh, the hat, <laughs> the gloves, everything. Jump the fence. I had, I had to take Bacchus to Deportivos to <laughs> escape all of the bees. Do you know what? The, I was wondering why they changed the rules, the rules around here. Now you can have <laughs> bees nest. You have to like be away for three <laughs> kilometers or five kilometers from <laughs> you were the reason <laughs> yes the it's reason. very possible that we were the reason <laughs> why so, they made that rule you can't have bees right now in your house <laughs> yeah 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 and so i as i took bacchus to to the point where he was safe right and i tied him up over by uh la barra <laughs> and, and <laughs> so bacchus is just like over there Right. And oh so God. then I start to walk back, but I was sweating so much that my glasses fell down <laughs> inside the, the bee hat. And so I had to untie the bee hat and like reach my hand up back to put the, <laughs> the glasses back on. Right. Yeah. But by that time, the bees were attacking me again and they oh got up inside and I got stung maybe 10 or 15 times in on my face. And I was like, ah, and I was like smashing the bees on my on my face, and I got it back back at, back in, and I go back, and los bomberos estaban uh, uh, <laughs> allí. At, at that point, the firemen show up, and they're in their bee suits, and they're like, <laughs> they like knock on the door, and they're like, um, I'm like, see, like, yeah, tiene tiene I was like. <laughs> so these guys these guys have these canisters these canisters of poison right and they go back and i show them where the bees are and you would try to hide them you, you no, to i was just like you know hopefully they'll go away <laughs> but but as i'm walking back to the studio there's people that are like walking their their kids in strollers and stuff and they're like ah 
And they're running, they're running down the road. And I'm like, holy shit, this is like a bad movie. <laughs> like there's people that are just being attacked by bees everywhere. And, and I'm like, holy shit. And, and can, I, like, can I ask, can I ask you something? Yeah. After that, the bullet went down. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> After <laughs> I don't know how to say matricula. After that, the matricula went down. Oh, yeah, we had to. Is your students? We had, we, had to, we had to get back off the students. <laughs> so, so, so we go back with the bomberos, and they like punch down in the bees, and then they like fill it up with poison, and then they just sit down like at that little platform where we used to talk about the mop mop. Right. Like, like they just sit down there and then they start talking about, I don't know, football or something like that. And, and they're just chit chatting. They're just chit chatting. They're waiting for, and I'm like, these guys are waiting for all the bees to die of the poison. Die. They yeah. just poison. And I'm just like, it's not going to work. What and about like, my honey? It would, no, the honey was dead because it was, because it was full <laughs> of poison. And it was just like, oh, fuck. So I was just like, this is stupid. And so I got a lighter and I went and burned. I just started a fire underneath the whole beehive and burned the whole thing down. Right. And the bombers are like, okay, dying. And then they left. Right. Then they, <laughs> then they left. But that night I had to go to a, <laughs> I had to go to a Tao meeting. <laughs> <laughs> with Julien. So uh, we had a Tao meeting <laughs> that I had, that yeah, Jill and I had to go. This? No, no, no. So then we became friends with these people, these Tao followers in Esparza. Do you know that? No. So an Eastern religion of sort, um, you know, you would have Buddhism and you would have Confucianism and in Esparza there was a family and community of Tao people. Okay. De China. Yeah. Yeah. Que habla so, español. So, más o menos. So, and why do you want to have a meeting with Tao people? Because of Carl. Well, <laughs> like Zoe, Zoe, so Owen, Owen, there, there's another story here because Owen was baptized catholic and i was so sick in my stomach because of that because of that zoe came around we were like well he can't be catholic so we baptized him into this local tau family (laughs) and we were going on a routine basis and then i had invited ron and it was a very important meeting, but it was on the day that he had just gotten stung by all the bees. The same day. Yeah, yeah. So I'm there and my face was swollen because of all of the bees, right? Sure. My face is like half of my face is like it's like some some sort of strange monster, right? And so I'm trying to have a conversation in Spanish. With these other Chinese people who don't with this who, monster face. Right. And we had to try to explain that I was 
stung by mo- by many bees, and that's why my face looked the way it was. And it was a disaster. And and this was one night that Carl decided not to come to town night. Oh my god! So there was no one else there to to describe what what had happened. And it's like Chinese people who speak a little bit of Spanish and gringos that speak a little bit of Spanish trying to communicate about like this bee episode. It was a disaster. Trying to explain that you're not a monster and that's not the real face. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it, was, it was it was ridiculous. In a Taos meeting. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Lovely. I would pay to see that moment, guys. (laughs) This this was a normal moment in Espasa for me. (laughs) It was just like, ah, that's that's what happened that day. Every day was like that, right? Some days I would be be waiting for the bus in Nantes. and, And if I was alone, the bus driver would look at me and he would drive straight on. Right? He would just be like, nope. (laughs) <laughs> no nope. and i i was always convinced it was because i had a conquistador beard <laughs> right <laughs> he was like i'm not picking up that guy oh my gosh oh i, I bet it were so many things around you that didn't didn't let him just just pick you up but according to the beat oh, <laughs> It wasn't way, only the beard. Way, it wasn't only the beard. There are way more things. It's like, nope, I'm not picking up that guy. Sure, sure. <laughs> and, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't only the bus driver. It was many people too. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to tell you that the best honey that I had in my entire life was yours from the beehive yeah yeah yeah. i never had the opportunity again to just eat it from the cera how do you call it like from the wax wax. yeah Yeah. the wax yeah and i remember you brought a piece of that and just oh i don't know how to explain it but it was amazing, and I I didn't remember what happened with the bees. Now it's apparently we ruined it for everyone in Esparza. Well, <laughs> I think it's not only in Esparza. It might be around Costa Rica. Maybe. So you have to feel even more important because thanks to you, all Costa Rica, it's no, now no. where. It's now aware that they cannot have bees on their patios. Poor Bacchus. Que lastima. Poor Bacchus. Pobrecito. Yeah. Pobrecito Bacchus. Mm-hmm. But that was, that was lovely. Oh, my gosh. So, Jen, you're working for your, your father now. Is that correct? Yeah, I don't know for how long, but that's what I'm doing now. <laughs> uh, I have two years already working at my dad's company. He was at this company for like 20 years, maybe. So when he he got sick, we have no idea what to do about the company, right? So somehow... um. 
I was the older and my brother didn't feel connected with anything around tools or men's stuff. So, <laughs> so I, I, I hope Glenn this don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> and well, somehow I, I decided to, to stay for a while and waiting for my dad to get well to, 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 I don't know, uh, be healthy again. That's the reason why I stay for a while. I stay here for a while and somehow, well, he passed away. He didn't come back. So wow. <laughs> I stay, I stay for two years now. I've been in a, in a company where it's maybe lead by men. So normally you don't find girls doing what I'm doing. So has been all of an issue to work with engineers and architects and people that it's actually waiting for a guy to come in and not a girl. So has been all of a, of a challenge, but it's a way new experience too. Yeah. I'm here for two years now. Wow. Um, and, wow. and, and, and can you tell a little bit about that? Because I was surprised when you were like, okay, I'm going to take over for my dad. And what your dad's business is, I don't, I don't even know how to say this in English. Um, like I know it so well in Spanish, but like canoas, what is the uh, word Ron for when the rain falls off the roof and gutters. goes into Gutters. Yeah, it's full gutters, but I, I mean, remember that Costa Rica have six months of raining yeah. and six months of summer, right? So people here need gutters all over, everywhere, right? Because there's so much rain. When it rains in Costa Rica, it rains, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's basically one mercado that that we take advantage and. Uh, well, normally people that is in construction, maybe in the United States, work with this thing with gutters, down spots, and I don't know, roof, uh, I forget the other name, but that was all of that, water roof, so I don't know. But in Costa Rica, uh, well, it's, it's a little different. We only work with metals, and we work on the roofs. Mm-hmm. Everything that is according to roofs, that's what we do. Right. And yeah. And yeah, well, basically, I'm not the one to do the installation. I don't know how to say it. To work yeah. on the roof. I like to go up and see and check everything. It's perfect. Everything is it's correct. But I'm not the one that do the, the installation. Installation. Yeah. I'm not doing that. Uh, I'm in charge of, I don't know, uh, leading, leading everyone and do the agenda and talk to the customers and everything. But yeah, you know, my dad was a very machista boy. I don't know how to say that on English. It was a, a man that looks like a man and, and talks like a man and works like a man and it was raised by a man. So, ugh. Very machista. Is that a is? Do you have a word for that in English? It would be manly. 
Mainly. Well, I think it's more than mainly because mainly it doesn't describe the way as machista is. Yeah, machista is definitely a stronger. Yeah, it's a word that English doesn't really have doesn't really have to describe. Maybe what, because what you're it's not about. yeah, why maybe it's because not the same for Ron, why do you why would it not be chauvinist? Why are you not satisfied? because chauvinist is more like men are the only ones who can oh, do it and beyond it, Machista. Yeah, it's more chauvinist is more prejudice. Um about well, that's that's the issue. Can you repeat that word for me, please? Chauvinist? Huh? Yes, yeah, chauvin- uh, she so I, I'll type it in the the okay chat. hold on well now that you brought it up too my dad i asked my dad for many years to teach me how to work with him and to learn about the company and he was like no this is not a work for girls this is only a work for men you can be here you have to be in an office or whatever but not in a roof right so maybe it's the word that you're saying well, kind kind of because a chauvinist can be like a nationalist, like someone who's just like I look only chicos, no nicas, no panama. Okay, no, no, like, it involves more. Yeah, it's a little it's bit just, more. A chauvinist is like it's only our people; it's not anyone else. It's more of a term for like heavy tribalism, and machismo is mm-hmm. is so much more of a. It's a cultural thing rather than a reality issue, right? Like okay. a manly version of that's kind of chauvinistic and kind of misogynistic, but it's in part because manliness to that extreme in English would, yeah. either, would either be a very like traditional gentleman who's being very cognizant of women or it's mm-hmm. like, or you're just a dickhead. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> we already have a word for dickheads. Like, well, you're just a dickhead. <laughs> like, lucky, <laughs> lucky you guys, lucky you guys. But if we have a word for that, it means like culturally, it's it's tough. It's 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 strong. I mean, it's normal here. It's normal, not not a good normally, but that's the way it is. Right. You know, tipos are machistas and, well, I can just put global for everyone, but yeah, I was we, raised, I was we, raised machista. Before you go that direction, it's, it's really interesting when I think about the fact that there's a word in English that is very common um, for feminism, but you would think, well, what's, what's, what's the opposite? And 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 the word masculinism um, just <laughs> doesn't really doesn't really exist. go anywhere, right? Um, and 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 really, if we were to draw a parallel between the closest, oddly, the closest thing to machismo is feminism, but yes. gender opposite feminism. Yes represents machismo far better from a polar opposite perspective, polar gender opposite perspective 
as then far better than chauvinism would because yes, i, I am seeing everything you're saying and that's like super extreme and it's very like separatist for many things not just gender but like there's this really interesting thing in in english that we can easily all talk about feminism but it's hard to talk about machismo in english and and i like keeping it as machismo for now and i do want to get back on track with you know you're you grow up with a dad that is machista and he says working rain gutters is not at work for a girl and you need to stay away from all of that and he passes away and now you're in charge of the business well yeah and you have a brother so it's like okay well this is more complicated than simply that right because maybe there was an expectation and i don't know if there was an expectation for your brother to do what you're doing but if your brother didn't have any interest in it and you're doing it then you've adopted this the the role that was traditionally machista and now you're changing things you're saying i can do this as well as anyone else as well as any any man with a penis and balls can do it um if not better <laughs> right you're disrupting that tradition um but at the same time you are embracing it because it was your father's business and it's like that's there's a beauty on both ends of it. Well, uh, I'm going to make it clear. My dad was like that with everything. Everything around him was it was machista. It was like tenderness in the inside, but really top outside. And it was like the way he tried to make it evil. Uh, no, I mean, the same level. How do you say like make it balanced? Out. Okay, uh-huh. the balance. He tried to make the balance out like that. Uh-huh. But for him, he was like, well, this is for girls. This is for boys. And, well, we were born opposite. I have a brother and I was the girl, but we were opposite since day one. I mean, we weren't what our parents supposed to be since day, since day one. I mean, my mother was like, hey, why do you behave like a boy? And... To my brother was, ah, why did you be here like a girl, right? <laughs> so we were opposite since always. Uh-huh. And but my dad didn't want to recognize it like that. And when Glenn was growing, he tried very hard for him to get in love with business mm-hmm. every single day, every single time. And he was like, why the hell on earth he doesn't understand that I don't like that shit? Hmm. Okay? Uh, and every time that I was trying to connect with him, I'd worry. He was like, hey, this is not for you. And, well, that was the way it was for 20 years. Then I didn't want to, to be there anymore, you know? Why do you want to be or stay a place that they don't want you to be? So I just disconnected from everything. And I will somehow I live in the same property 
when my dad got sick in the same property that he has his workshop, right? So right. Uh, one day he just didn't appear because he was very sick about COVID. And it was like, okay, what do the guys should do? He don't want to answer the phone. They, they're, they're not doing anything. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to put them some, do something uh, and wait. And what happened the second day, the third day, and he was, okay, calling one of his brothers to be with me and try to help me because he was trusting me as uh, as his daughter to just about the money, you know, taking the money and do the directions and that kind of thing, not to to give me his business that he has built for 20 years. He wasn't trusting me that path to go in that direction for two years more, right? He was right. just waiting and trying to stabilize and be well and stay healthy, okay? Right. So I was like with his brother working and and was just waiting, waiting and waiting. And somehow, well, one day he called me and said, hey, I'm going to die. So I don't know what you guys are going to do, but uh, you've been doing a great job for this week. Well, it was already like 15 days. And well, I hope you guys are all connected and just... Do whatever you have to do. <laughs> Somehow, of course, he was like, well, there, he's, he's not going to be able to handle. I mean, it's a girl. I was my three-month baby at that moment. Dejan was three months old. So wow. I was really uh, having organized my life about being a new mom. Remember, this is my first time that actually is my third baby, but it's my first time being pregnant. So, and I have a cesarean uh, at surgery. So it was three months old and I was like, hey, my baby, I want to stay home and all that. Right. And somehow, well, I'd start taking directions. I'd start taking directions and... Well, of course, my brother didn't like it before. He's not going to like it now. So he stayed with me. Well, I was like, okay, but I can do this by myself. So we have to be together. And this is a inheritance. How do you say inheritance or herencia? It was an herencia for both. So we have to make it work and see what happens. And well, we stay together. We're still together. Uh... Even my mom joined us. She's not actually working in, but she just gave us the clue to stay attached to each other. Sure. And well, we are a table of three legs. And that's the way we have been functioning for two years already. Yeah. Well, my brother didn't like what we were doing so he just stay a while he is in charge of administration and all of that kind of things that you can do in a desk but i hate that i hate being in a desk i like to be outside i like to hang out with people i like to see new experiences and going through everywhere so i took that that challenge and well it functions well 
he stayed with me and we we're together and we we're working together, but in different different positions. Sure. And we make a decision. Yeah. That's basically what happened. Wow. Yeah. Wow. On so many accounts, because yeah. not only did you need to successfully uh, carry on a successful business, but you had to overcome wounds, right? Like, you know, your dad telling you your whole life that this is not a job for you. <laughs> that takes a thick skin to be able to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to put that aside and I'll deal with that at another time. But right now I'm going to keep this business afloat. Um, that's truly remarkable. And any, any grown man that has half of a soul uh, can easily recognize when we're wrong. We are stubborn, um, but the thick-headedness has some sort of hole in which we can sometimes admit that we're wrong. And I, like I told you before, I have no doubt with the way things have turned out that your dad can say to himself, I knew a lot about gutters, but I was wrong about Jen. And mm. wow, she's done a great job. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, hopefully. <laughs> and if it's not like that, I'm okay with. You know, it took me one year to actually uh, be aware that I continue somehow at that moment because I didn't have the time to uh, awake and actually realize that my dad was gone because I, I didn't have the time, you know. I was like moving forward. Okay, I have to do this and I'll do this and all that. Because, well, people call me <laughs> and I have no idea what they were talking about. So I need to learn. I need, I need no time to waste. Somehow it passed a year and I, I was like, okay, Jen, your dad is not here anymore. So you were trying to take all these things, glue it or touch to make it work for one day when he come out. He he just see how everything was functioning well and you can say, like, I tried. There you go. This is yours. Uh-huh. But after a year, like moving forward, like running, 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 running. Then I was like, okay, why I'm running into what, what is going on? Oh man, your dad passed away. So is this actually what you want for your life? Are you just gonna stay here because of your dad? He's not coming anymore. He's not, you're not just taking care of his company because He's not coming. Mm-hmm. This is now your company. <laughs> so what is going on? Is this really your thing? Are you going to stay attached to something that is not what you actually think you were doing? You know, it, it's kind of an issue at that point right now in my life. That's maybe one of the pearls that it's hitting behind 
the math over there. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to make alive to, to realize what is actually going on. Because that happened a year ago. And I continue because I like what I'm doing. This is basically a very emotional path for me in many different ways have made me blow my mind. I have learned so many things that I never, never thought that I was going through. And, but right now I'm like, okay, stop for a minute. And trying to, to recognize if this is actually, uh, this actually need to look to continue going forward. Even though I like what I'm doing, I'm really enjoying. I have enjoyed for two years, but somehow I just looking up, looking down the rocks, looking down the trees, looking down to see what it's next for me. Wow. So you never really had the time to grieve for your dad because you were so busy. What is the term, Carl, for grief? I think we've yeah. covered this before. I think that um, when it comes to the term grief, I remember that um, who was it that had a problem describing this in Spanish? Bueno, you? Uh, you? Was it, well, I I didn't have so much of a problem with grief. Uh, it was more with praise. Oh. Uh, so grief... Grief, I would translate as duelo. Okay. Uh, okay. But, and it is important for this conversation, um, Jen, that yeah, in very older languages than ours, grief is the same word for praise. Mm-hmm. So there's there's some people in the world that understand praise to be the same thing as grief and really? grief praise. There's not a distinction of that. Grief is praise and praise is grief. In English, modern English, we have grief and it seems to be polar opposite to praise. Well, when we think then in Spanish, <laughs> grief being el duelo, um, well, if duelo is praise, then duelo is celebración, duelo is alabanza, duelo is loor. None of those really satisfy it, but the meaning is in the conversation. And what, you know, what we're speaking of here is that duelo isn't necessarily the dark side while sure. while praise is the positive um it, it ron is saying you, you it seems like what you're saying is you 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 didn't have a chance to go through the duelo how will you spell grief it's is g-r-i-e-f yeah yeah okay uh Grief, it's it's way too different for me now. I mean, it's death. It's it has been so many times all my life, and I guess in everyone's lives. But it means duelo 
it's no longer the same it was for me 12 years ago mm. so mm-hmm. it it's a different reaction of course uh that is for me something divine now so when my dad i don't know if you remember one conversation we had before when chell uh maybe car remembers because you don't even remember chill uh when chill uh stays with me to say goodbye right mm-hmm. do you remember that that time where, where i told you about the dead and how i deal with that at that moment yeah, when yeah. he was just leaving okay yeah it, it it's actually something happened the same way with my dad and and it was uh a lovely way to say goodbye. So grief for me, it's not longer uh, a space to be in tears, a space to be uh, depressed, a space to be, um, I don't know if I, if I can explain it well, but it's not a space of sadness anymore. Uh, so maybe this time I just leave my beef with my dad in a growing way, mm. in a growing path. I don't know if, if you can understand what I'm saying. No. <laughs> I know it's pretty kind of strange. No, I, I think that, that that makes sense. So you're saying that there was enough openness with the passing of your dad that you allowed it to continue to grow your relationship continued to grow even with the passing of course yeah yeah of course i mean well one of the things that i saw as a really beautiful gift i was the only person that could see my dad after uh-huh. his death Okay, yeah. I was the only person, no one else, because wow. it was be- his dad was because of COVID. So it was in a strict line about how people was buried and no one can see them. No one can say goodbye. He was that connected from the machine. And well, those things. So I had the opportunity just because I'm a very Nessia. How do you say Nessia? Yeah, How do you say Nessia, Carl? Annoying. Annoying girl. And I <laughs> I was not leaving the hospital until I realized that I was taking my dad away. You know? Persistent. Persistent. Well, I will say annoying because I was like, I okay, okay, okay. <laughs> you don't call a dog that doesn't shut up persistent. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I like to support systems in, in certain ways, but I was the only <laughs> because of my annoying ability. I was the only one that had the opportunity to just take the last look at my dad. And that was the gift for me. And the way that I been on his chair for two years had connecting me with him in a different way that some others couldn't, you know, I got to learn so many things that I didn't know even about him during this beautiful path 
Uh-huh. And somehow it I was it was terrifying to you because you know I was like at that moment once I just stopped, I was driving in the truck because I even drive his own truck, you know, and I was driving his truck and I stopped and I was like, hey, do you actually are you actually enjoying or just trying to be your dad? Is this actually your life or you're trying to live through him or oh, what is going on? And from that moment, everything changed. But I think that all those months allowed me to, to do the grief in a totally, totally different way mm-hmm. that I, I know not even my mom, not even my brother, that not everyone have uh, legally or enjoyed the same way as I did. Mm. And well, I feel very privileges privilegiada i forget how to say that yeah privilege yeah about that uh and even though knowing that my dad didn't feel like i was able to do it it was beautiful i love it and i have no regrets for that of course see when see when you say the word enjoy you're stating that you've enjoyed for some reason the grief of your dad's passing i don't know what you're trying to tell us but that <laughs> sounds a lot like <laughs> grief is, like like the, the you're mentioning the fact that you're mentioning enjoy what 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 are you talking about what did you enjoy what do you mean well, it's, I enjoy the way that somehow I was maybe disconnected. When you grow up and you have kids and you continue with your life, you have your husband and everything. I mean, you are a little bit disconnected with your parents and somehow you start stopping getting to know them. My dad wasn't the same person that he was when I was living with him, you know, and, right. and somehow we'll these two years have been this connection that we maybe have lost before. So when they pass away, you feel like maybe it was something mess out, something that you might do a little bit more or I don't know. And, and somehow these two years for me have filled out that space. So that's why I'm saying I'm enjoying it because there's nothing that I regret about. There's nothing that I feel. I mean, everything is full inside of here and I'm not regretting anything. And I love not the way it happens because it was actually, it was an awful way, but I love that I have the opportunity to be here on his chair and getting to know maybe one part of him that I hasn't, I haven't seen while I was next to him. Sometimes you have to wait until people's gone to see certain things, unfortunately. But that's what I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it sounds like you are connected to your father in a different way that was impossible before this. And 
again, it's, it's just incredible that you're able to articulate it like that. Um, it's beautiful to hear Jen and I can't thank you enough for sharing in this way, you know, um, there's an intimacy amongst the three of us, but, but there's also a public nature because it's being recorded and we're sharing in this way. And, you know, I just continue to say, you know, how proud I am. And I don't even know those words aren't exactly adequate. Um, but anyone listening is lucky to hear uh, the ability to be able to articulate that you feel blessed to be able to have some sort of connection with your father now that he is gone that you were not able to have when he was alive. And those are just powerful words. Um, yeah. So thank you for sharing those. There's something in the human character, in the human nature that reveals strength in ways that go beyond the small troubles that we face. And when death comes to the door and we have to carry on living in spite of death, we learn that those troubles that seemed big are really small in light of that which cannot be reversed. You can do harm to someone and, and you can feel regret and you can choose to mend a mistake or you can choose to walk away. But there's a choice. With death, you're faced with accepting that you have a choice, but it's not complete. Because the one thing you can't do is ever bring that person back. Mm -hmm. You can't ever say the things that weren't said. You can't ever hear the things that you didn't get to hear you can choose to carry it well or to ignore it and you're choosing to carry it well and it's beautiful to hear yeah that's well said thank you jen thank you for <laughs> agreeing to enlighten us and, and to expose this side of you to um to the world it brings forth nothing but gratitude in me for for you and for the life that you're living and for your willingness to share it so it's my pleasure it's my pleasure i mean you never know we start talking about one thing and now we ended up in this somehow um i choose to believe that that will maybe some people might need about need to hear about this and that's the reason why I'm happy to be here tonight with you guys. I wasn't expecting this invitation. And I feel very blessed that you guys decided to have me here tonight. And 
hopefully well all disease even though even if we don't know how they're building how they're doing right now if they're a bench or a fruit we have no idea about it and that's the beautiful uh purpose of life i mean we just do things hoping 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 <laughs> and Hoping, but that's the point. Uh, maybe we should stop hoping anymore. Just, just enjoy and enjoying. And that's what I'm trying to to lead right now. I'm trying to enjoy more and stop having expectations about anything. <laughs> well, the next morning, he came to the eldest and took him to a marble table where there were three tablets containing an account of the means by which the castle might be enchanted. <laughs> the first tablet said, In the wood, under the moss, by the thousand pearls belonging to the king's daughter. They must all be found. And if one be missing by set of sun, he who seeks them will be turned into marble. You have, uh, you have been faithful, as my dad would have said. You've done well, good and faithful servant. Come on in, delight in the feast. Well, this has certainly been a feast and it will not be the last. We'll have you back on here to discuss a few poignant things a um, couple of months from now. Um, choose some things that we really want to dig deep into. Um, but certainly this has kind of been like a banquet of, oh, what do you guys want to try? There's all these <laughs> things going on. Adoption, death, businesswoman. The, I'm pretty the, sure for the next one, he's going to be eternally a different path. Yeah. So um, thank you very much for being with us uh, this evening. I do want to thank all of our listeners and uh, remind you, hey, we have a small little chat if you'd like to follow up with Jen or with us on these types of conversations, future at originateve.org is a place to go. Um, I am a learner and a good friend of a few. My name is Blue Scabby, and it's been great to hear, be here with my brother, um, fellow warrior, Ron Green. And our beautiful friend from a long time ago, once a girl, now a beautiful woman, uh, Jen Bonilla. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Jen. And uh, thank you to our listeners. And we will uh, continue this conversation in the future.